Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for on back here. Let's me, you, and the queen go talk. You see how serious it just got. So the Lord had not only granted Nehemiah mercy. That was exactly what he prayed for. I pray this guy don't kill me. Okay, that's not happening now, answered prayer. But he had also granted Nehemiah a special private audience to hear him out with particular interest. They really wanted to know. I can imagine it's possible maybe the party was still going. Maybe the banquet was still on. Hey, Nehemiah, let's leave the party. We'll come back to this in a little bit. Let's go back here and let's talk. Do you see how the Lord God is in control of even the king's influence here? This is great. So the king's question, he said, when do you get back? When are you coming back? That means Nehemiah now had a God-given royal permission to get it done, and now nobody can stop it. It's great. I want us to try to understand a little bit of what happened here. The king could have taken Nehemiah's sad face very, very wrong in the wrong way. Like, what's wrong, guy? What's the matter with you? You don't look very happy. Don't you like working for me? Is the palace life of the Persian Empire not good enough for you? You're fired. Get out of here. I don't like your look. That could go wrong quick. He could have also said, who are you to try to counter what I commanded? I commanded it shut down. Who are you? You're just a cupbearer. Who are you to come tell me that we need to turn it back on? I'm just trying to show you how this could have gone wrong on so many levels in so many ways. And he could have shut Nehemiah down before even giving him the chance to, to talk. God chose Jerusalem as the place to put his name. This isn't Alvin, Texas here. This isn't Houston. This is Jerusalem. This is a very important city. God was, since he put his name there, God was now influencing even the mind of the most powerful king on earth to deliver on the covenant promises that God made with Israel. This is not King Artaxerxes acting here. This is the Lord God acting through the king and now acting through Nehemiah. Friends, you need to know God's covenant so that you know how to pray. Well, my prayers don't ever seem to work. Well, you're probably praying the wrong way. Pray to covenant. Guys, this is a good story. My gosh, this is good. But also, don't miss how Nehemiah set a time with the king. He says, when are you coming back? And it says, I set him a time. This means that for the past four months, Nehemiah had been praying very Faithfully, very strategically, because we were given the months, right? It was in the month of Nisan. Now we're in this other month. It's four months. He was praying. He was planning everything out according to God's influence. God says, I want you to do this. I bet he had papers out. He was writing stuff down. He figured out what it was going to take to accomplish the mission. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. 
before Nehemiah even had permission to act. While Nehemiah was, he was still scared out of his mind for even trying to tell the king about it. Nehemiah planned out exactly what he was going to do to get the job done. While he was scared and before he knew he was even going to be allowed to go, he planned it for four months. So when the king asked him, when will you be back? Then Nehemiah, Nehemiah already knew what time frame to give him. Here's when I'll be back. I'd be thinking, if I was the king, dude, you've already got this figured out, don't you? Yeah, I've been working on it. <laughs> he got busy right away. He, well, I'll sit around and wait for the king to tell me if I can. Then I'll start. Guys, when God calls you, start working. Well, I don't see it coming out yet. Start working. When I was at my job, God called me to ministry. I wasn't in ministry yet. I had another 10 years to go at the job I was at. But I started doing gospel work there. I remember one day somebody told me, Ray, if you keep sharing the gospel in the workplace, you're going to get fired. This is a place of business. You leave your beliefs outside the door. And God told me, Ray, I know what they're telling you is is scary, but if you will not do your ministry work here, you won't do it even if I put you in a church. So I I had to act now. When God calls you, act now. Don't say, well, I'll wait until I get this and that. and the No, act now. Because if you don't do it now, you won't do it then, okay? So he planned, he planned, he knew the time frame to give him. Now, what Nehemiah says next proves that he really thought everything out ahead of time. He thought of all the logistics, and all, he's going to show us his planning that he'd been working on in Nehemiah 2, verse 7. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king... Let letters be given to me. See, he thought this out already. Let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. <laughs> I just, I love this. Ray, you're going to be called to ministry. Go set up a church. Uh, how, how, do, how do I do that? What, what's it, what do I put in it? Where do, I, uh, where do we go? Uh, what are we going to sit on? I mean, God's like, I got all that. Don't worry about it. And he says, God put it upon me. Okay. Nehemiah was working with the Lord. They were sitting around the little planning desk all night. For four months planning out, he knows when he's getting back. He knows what materials we need to do it. He's already probably built a little inventory list. Need lumber here. Need permits for that. The guy's been thinking, guys. He, he didn't get permission yet. He's been working. Oh, my gosh. He was a master logistics and projects planner. Okay. <laughs> Figured it out. Four months. All the ins and outs, everything he was going to need. And when the king granted all this to to him, Nehemiah didn't go, look at me, I figured it all out. I just so I'm awesome. I I, I got it done. That would be like me coming in here and going, yep, we're in this building with all this stuff because I figured it all out. Mm -hmm. Y'all saw me running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to figure things out. The cable doesn't work. You know, the AC was, I, I don't know. Everything's messed up. I can't take credit for it. Nehemiah gave full credit to the Lord his God for orchestrating the whole thing. This radio show here goes out on the air. I I didn't know what I was doing when I first started this. It's on the radio. God did every bit of it. 
Don't come and ask me, Ray, how do I start a podcast and get it on international radio? I don't know. I really don't know. Well, you're doing it. I know. Well, how'd you do it? God did it. Uh, you know, you tell people that. I was asking friends of mine, how did you get a building? Because all of a sudden, all my friends that got into ministry at the same time with me, they all started getting buildings before we had this one. My friend in, uh, uh, James Grizzle in Galveston, Calvary Galveston, he got a building. My friend over in Sugarland, they're about to get a building. And I asked both of them, how, how did you find it? How did you do it? They're like, Ray, we don't, I don't know what to tell you. The Lord did it. So I asked the Sugarland guy, how'd you do it? He goes, Ray, there's no plan. It's, the, the Lord did it. Well, how did we get this one? I don't know. The Lord did it. So the next guy that asked me, how'd you do it? I'm going to tell him the same thing. I don't know. The Lord did the whole thing. So I'm relating to Nehemiah very heavily here. He says I, he gave full credit to the Lord for the whole thing because he knew that the Lord influenced the kings to make this decision. It wasn't Nehemiah. It wasn't the city of Alvin. It wasn't the landlords that owned the building. It wasn't the, the budget. It was the, I don't know how it all came together. There's too many pieces. The Lord God did all of it. Nehemiah is given credit. I want to give credit here too, okay? So we also know that this was God's doing because Daniel actually prophesied this king's decree was going to happen years before the king ever told Nehemiah about it. This was prophesied already. Look, in Daniel 9.25, we're going backwards a little bit. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the prince there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall and, the, and to rebuild the wall, even in troublesome times, even in troublesome times. Nehemiah is going through troublesome times. Daniel said, this is going to happen. Now, did Nehemiah know about this prophecy? Maybe. I don't know for certain. It might be in there somewhere if I researched it further, but he was scared. He prayed, he planned, he answered the call, he's going to obey and go. And then it came time to tell the king, he goes, all right, time to cough it up. And he told the king, and the king says, when do you get back? Oh, okay, I'll tell you when I'm getting back. <laughs> this is great. God is saying it doesn't matter what it looks like out there, troublesome times. It's going to get done. Friends, if God calls you to something and you watch the TV and let the news freak you out and all the politics and all the money and all the craziness out there, trouble sometimes. But if God called you, you go, you obey and go. So this whole thing was prophesied. It was part of God's covenant because the Lord said he had signed his name on Jerusalem to show the world who he is. And Nehemiah prayed faithfully in agreement with that prophecy and with that covenant. And so, bam, the king is on board. It's amazing what gets done when God's behind it. Isn't that something? Okay, so Nehemiah, he planned out his travel expenses, his permits, materials, and God put this plan in Nehemiah's heart. He put it in his understanding for him to know. And if God can do it for Nehemiah, he can do it for you. Amen? I want you to take this story personally for yourself. This is you in here. Nehemiah 2 and 9 then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being 
of the children of Israel. And here we go, right? There's always some in there. There's always bad apples in the barrel somewhere. So imagine all the doubts that Nehemiah could have fallen to while he planned out the mission. All the doubts that creep in while we're looking to do God's work. Imagine somebody may be telling him, hey, Nehemiah, nobody has been able to rebuild Jerusalem for 100 years. Nobody's done it. What makes you think you can do it? It has a century. It's been like this. What makes you think that you're going to come up and anything's going to be any different at all? I had people tell me that, right? What makes you think that you can go be a pastor? I remember what you did 30 years ago. What makes you think you can be a pastor? And I say, well, God called me to it. He delivered me from that old life. He called me. Well, you can't do it, Ray. You can't do it. You imagine all the doubts he would have had? Guys, Nehemiah had to fast and he had to pray four months that we know of in this point. He had to fast and pray while he had doubts being thrown at him from every side. He had to pray through that. He had to fast through that. And so he was going to make the journey to Jerusalem. That's not running to the gro- it's not like running to the grocery store. This is going to Jerusalem from where he was in the Persian Empire. It took about two months just to get there. Oh, you're never going to make it. It's two months. A lot of hostile territory. You know all the people that are going to rob you on the way, probably kill you? Once they find out you're going back to rebuild Jerusalem, you can't do that, man. It's not going to work. Guys, you're going to have doubters come at you all over the place. He went straight into it. And when he arrived, already he's got opposition. He's got these two guys, Samballot and Tobiah. They're already starting to plan against him. But Nehemiah's certainty and his motivation came from God's empowerment. It came from God's empowerment. When God calls you, know that God called you. Because Satan is going to send a dozen and a half people to come tell you you cannot do it. He knew where his empowerment and his calling came from. He had to maintain his focus that God is the one that called him to this. Nobody else did. Friends, I'll tell you, God called me to minister. No one else called me to to minister. Of all the people that told me, you can't do it, I said, well, you didn't call me to it. God called him. And so only God could call him back out of it. And I say the same thing to people. God called me in it. God will call me out of it. You didn't call me. Nehemiah knew his calling. Know your calling. Know your calling. Well, I don't know the calling. You will start reading God's word. You got to know in line with that. Nehemiah 2 and 11, he fused the walls of Jerusalem. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. 
I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Okay, Nehemiah was very careful about talking to other people before doing his own survey. He's got doubters. He's got problems. The last thing you want to do is tell everybody else what you're doing. God called me. I'm going to go check it out. Let's go look. Me and the Lord, we're going to go look by ourselves. okay? <laughs> I think that's maybe the least the way. That's the Ray translation. That's the, the NRT, the, the new Ray translation. Me and God are going by ourselves on this, okay? He called me. We worked on it together alone for four months. I'm going to go check the wall out. So this was God's plan. He didn't want anybody else get, having the opportunity to twist it up with their input. Well, you know, uh, Nehemiah, what we should do is this. And then they throw all these plans out, and then it's already goofed up. See, he wanted to go look at it and say, okay, God, I'm seeing it. What do you want me to do? Okay? Very private matter here. So up to this point, it's between Nehemiah and God alone. But I still think how amazing it is that Nehemiah already had given a time frame to the king before he ever got to see the walls for himself. He just now got here to see it. He already gave a time frame to the king. How do you give a time frame of when you're going to be done before you know what the project actually looks like with your own eyes? If I'm going to give you a time frame on something, I need to see it first. This is completely 180 from that. He said time frame. Now he's finally getting a look at it. Uh, Jerusalem's walls, you know, when I think about how damaged they were, the, the, the animal couldn't even pass through. It was such a bad mess. They must have looked like mountains of rubble. It must have been piled up like crazy. He probably had to climb through it, and it just must have looked terrible. And in verse 12, Nehemiah stated that God had put all of this in his heart already. God put it in there. Like when I left to go to ministry, I didn't know what mountains I was going to have to climb over to get to wherever God was bringing me. I didn't know. I'm glad he didn't show me. I'm glad I didn't get a, a point like this where, okay, here it is, Ray, like Nehemiah gets to see it. I'm glad he didn't show me. It has scared me. But here he is now. He, God put it in his heart. So Nehemiah, let me, I'm just going to make the point that Nehemiah did not need to know up front what the situation already looked like. He didn't need to know that. Seeing it, all Nehemiah had to do was obey and go. That's all he had. Obey and go. How did he get all the logistics? God put it in his heart. How did he know what materials? God put it in his heart. How did he know the time frame? God put it in his heart. He's just now getting to see the mess. When God calls you, obey and go. No, I need to see it first. He's like, well, God would say, well, you can't see it first. You, you have to just go there. Just go. Forget all the stuff involved with it. God's already got that figured out already. God calls you to something. He's already planned it. He's already prophesied it. He's already covenanted it. Is that a word? I'm, I'm a redneck. Forgive me. He's already set all that stuff up. Just obey and go. Just go. Well, I don't know. Just go. Well, how about just go? Am I getting through yet? Just go. Okay. <laughs> I've lived it. So verse 13, he went to the refuse gate. It's also known as the dung gate. Yay. When I went to go see the wailing wall, we passed through the dung gate. And yeah, there's a lot of jokes we can make out of that right now if you wanted to. I remember we walked through it. And I'm like, guys, you realize what we just walked through here is like up there on the gate. <laughs> But we went through the dung gate, and then verse 14, he came to the king's pool. That's probably what's known as the pool of Siloam, where Jesus told the blind man to go wash the mud off of his eyes so that he could see again. 
But for Nehemiah, the damage that he saw at that day, it was so bad that even his animal couldn't travel through it. I'm thinking jagged rocks all over the place. Apparently, it was piles upon piles of destruction. And you think it may be for a minute Nehemiah's heart might have sunk. I've got to rebuild this. I, I got doubters telling me I can't do it. Now that I've, you called me, I put myself up to the king. I, I trusted you, Lord, and now I'm here. Look at this. That's our sinful side talking. The faithful side goes, okay, it is what it is. I see. Um, let's get to work. You got to learn to divide yourself apart from one side of yourself from the other. That sin side has to go. It's there, I know, but you got to concentrate on your faithful side. Okay, God, I see all this mess. Okay, we planned it. Let's get on it. Let's just get to work. Nehemiah 2.17, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach, which is an insult. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, it's too much trouble, let's go home. Christian, what did they say? Get encouragement from this. They said, let us rise up and build. None of that, it looks too hard. None of that is too overwhelming. I can't do this. What have I gotten myself into? Let us rise up and build. Let's do it. Christian, burn that in. Let us rise up. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Amen. Ooh, that's good. We're going to get it. Let's, let's go. <laughs> now, finally, it was time to let other people know. Before, it was just the king and the queen. Now, he's finally telling the guys that were with him. But before he could talk to them about restoration, he had to get them to take notice of the situation first. Very important. Before the restoration could begin, you first need to see the shape you're in. He said, y'all see the mess we're in. Do y'all see the trouble? Let's rebuild so that we will no longer have insult. Christian, I'm going to tell you, before you can rebuild, before you can be built up in Christ, you first need to recognize how bad a shape you were in, in your sin. Some people come up and say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. Hallelujah, I'm saved. And they never looked at the shape they were in. You first have to see the shape you were in before you can build and restore, okay? You got to realize, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a destroyed mess before you can be built up. Very important here. Nehemiah 2 and 19. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us, and they despised us. And said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we have servants. His servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.